There's this big tournament. Top 16 middleweights in the world. And when it takes all, I'm gonna need a trainer. Of that much you were good at. Frank, I need this. I got a family to protect. Everything I do is for them. What's going on up here? Daddy is now a princess. Mom needed you. I needed you. You're my big brother. You bailed on me. I was a 16-year-old kid. What the hell did I know? You had a choice, okay? You had a choice. this podcast i'm alan i'm devin and i'm ryan <laughs> and today we changed things up a little bit yeah um, so in a weird twist of fate devin moved back to pennsylvania where we record so we did one episode with all three of us in the room and today devin <laughs> and i are in the same room and ryan is calling in yep. um ryan you want to talk about why yeah a little bit so uh, the reason why I, I, I've been absent, uh, I didn't make last week's episode, was uh, my kidney decided to drop a kidney stone, and it got stuck before it got to my bladder. Um, so because of a prior health issue, uh, my ureters from my kidneys to my bladder are connected into one, and the stones stopped underneath the, the conjunction. So both my kidneys were blocked. So at the moment, I'm sitting with a tube in my side, uh, waiting to have surgery pretty much to get the stone out. Um, obviously that is extremely painful and I got a kidney infection from it. So I am healing and I am kind of quarantining myself because if I have, because if I get COVID before surgery, they'll have to put off the surgery and that's the last thing I want. So that's why I am quarantining officially quarantining at the moment. <laughs> it's not because he's got the Rona. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we, we wish you well. Yeah, definitely, man. Um, he's been keeping us posted. We, we've been keeping him in high spirits with memes and stuff. Mm. So, <laughs> Thank you guys for, by the way. <laughs> um, what else are we good for? Yeah. Uh, we're also good for talking about movies. Oh, yeah, that's and, right. We do that. Um, so last week we did Tenet, which was just kind of like a bonus episode while we figured out what was going on with mm-hmm. Brian. Yep. We were going to have to get different guest hosts. And we had two wonderful guest hosts. Yeah, we did. Thank you again to Mike Mullen and Ramana. Yeah, yes, definitely. Yes, thank you for stepping here. in. Appreciate that, guys. R- Ryan, did you did you get a chance to listen to? The um, I episode? listened to the first part of it because I mean I'm still interested in it mm-hmm. and I didn't really want to know too much, so I just listened to Got see it. how like you guys sounded, make sure that the audio was okay, which it was. So it's it sounded and good. To put to put me in my place, well. Oh, boy, was that a fun one to edit. But we don't have time for that because we're on a Zoom call and I don't have premium Zoom. (laughs) So today we're getting back into the pattern of things. And it is my turn to have uh, one of you watch a movie that you've never seen. And because Ryan's always making us watch sports movies, I decided to make Ryan watch a sports movie he's (laughs) never seen. Uh, Today we're talking about the 2011 film Warrior starring Tom Hardy Joel Edgerton and Nick Nolte. 
Uh, Warrior is on Amazon Prime for you to watch. So if you haven't seen the movie, go check it out. Um, This is a, let me give the quick description off of IMDb. The youngest son of an alcoholic former boxer returns home where he is trained by his father for competition in a mixed martial arts tournament. A path that puts him on a, puts the fighter on a collision course with his estranged older brother. So Tom Hardy is the youngest son who returns home to his dad, Nick Nolte. And Joel Edgerton is living on the other side of Pennsylvania as a teacher who also moonlights as a MMA fighter. So um, this is a film that I remember getting from Redbox in 2011, 2012. Um, I remember specifically watching it in my college apartment. And I don't know why, but I do. And I just really enjoyed the storytelling and the acting of this. And there are some moments musically that really stuck with me that we'll talk about. But Devin, I know this is a film that you had seen before, right? Yeah. Oh, it definitely is. Okay. Yeah. Uh, When was the first time you saw this? I saw it probably 2000 and I think 13. I was a little late to the party on it, but I remember I think streaming it or something. Uh, And I don't know what drew me to it because I'm not a sports movie guy, even a little bit, but I think, it might have been you that recommended it. It might have been somebody that recommended it to me. And I mean, I remember absolutely loving it. I actually had a talk with one of my friends, I think a month ago, who started watching it. And we just had this whole conversation raving about this movie. Uh, although I kind of forgot a lot of plot points. So it was really great we were watching it. And like, because it's one of those movies that I'm like, I loved it. Did it hold up? Like, did my taste change? Yeah. And so far they didn't. I loved it. All right. So, yeah, I'm not a big sports movie fan either. Um, But I think what drew me to this was I think they had just announced Tom Hardy was Bane. That makes sense. And I think I think that's when I recommended this to you. Uh Oh, dude, Dark Knight Rises comes out next year. You should watch this. That's probably the exact context. Yeah. And I probably knew that it was in Pittsburgh. And it's in Pittsburgh. And you were living in Pittsburgh at the time. So it was perfect. (laughs) So. So I think that leads us to Ryan. What did you think of Warrior? It was good. Uh, probably one of the better fighting movies I've ever seen. Um, actually, no. I'm gonna I'm gonna put that when it comes to fighting movies, it is probably my favorite. Um, there is a lot of context that needs to be given for that, which we'll get into. Um, but I enjoyed it. Tom Hardy did an amazing job. Uh, my 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 introduction to him was the movie Brunson that came out in 2008 where he was doing the biopic for Britain's most notorious prisoner, um, which that's a very fun movie. Uh, but that was my introduction to him. And this movie definitely lives up to that pinnacle for his acting ability. I feel, uh, everybody else did a tremendous job in it. Uh, the story, uh, the storyline in it, uh, was good. And I'll expand on that later. But yeah, so I mean, it, it definitely two thumbs up for me. My introduction to Tom Hardy was Star Trek Nemesis. Oh my gosh, that was mine too. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh no, I think I saw Black Hawk Down before I saw that. I still have not seen Black Hawk Can't, Down. He was in Black Hawk Down. You live here, Alan. I know. 
No, I haven't. I have to rewatch Black Hawk Down. That was probably what I saw him in first, but I didn't realize <laughs> it was him. Like, I, I, I didn't... Oh, I mean, same I for me. I didn't know who he was at that point, so he didn't stand out when I saw that at first. So, now when you think Tom Hardy, what do you think? Because he's had such a big career since 2011. When it comes to me, it's always going to be Brunson. Okay. I still want to see that one. For me, it's Mad Max. Like, okay. he, I don't know, he just fits it so well. I've only seen Mad Max once, but mm-hmm. I think for me, it's it's got to be Bane. Yeah. Because he's had such an impact on that character that even on the Harley Quinn show, when they have Bane show up, they're just doing a Tom Hardy <laughs> impression. I mean, he was, I, I don't feel like I'm going out too much on a limb here. I feel like he's the best Bane that's been put to cinema. I mean, he didn't have much competition there. I know. <laughs> he had like one competition and it was terrible. And it was, yeah, it was Gorilla Suit Bane with Poison Ivy. Which to me yeah. is Bane. I'm sorry, guys, but Tom Hardy Bane is fine. It's great for that type of Batman universe yeah. that they made. But to me, Bane is the Bane from the animated show. And the live action version is the one with Poison Ivy. Like that to me is Bane. I, I, I like the Tom Hardy Bane voice coming out of the the comic book Bane. Because on the Harley Quinn show, they do the first time you see Bane, they do a joke about Bane at Trivia Night. Huh. It's like a Family Guy style cutaway. It's Bane at Trivia Night. And the trivia question is, which football team has won more games at Gotham Stadium? Yes. And he, Bane gets it wrong, and the answer is the Pittsburgh Steelers, which is a great That's joke. Amazing. And then Bane's just like, I'm going to blow up Gotham Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> See, I like that. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, it's going to be Bane. Like, I need to watch Mad Max again, though. I'm going to be honest. I was thinking about it this time. I think Tom Hardy might be one of my favorite actors, even though it's like weird. I don't know. I feel like it's weird for people to say that, but he's so good. Like, I don't think I've seen and I'm trying to like I'm running through his IMDb quick. I don't think I hated him in anything that he's done. I want to. I mean, he definitely. Sorry. He definitely wasn't the problem in Venom. No, he was not the problem in Venom. I want to see a Tom Hardy movie where he's not fighting. In some manner, before I make my opinion on his acting ability. Now, granted, his okay, acting ability got- is amazing. It really is. He's really good, and people should pay him more tribute than what he gets. But I really want to see him doing I- something where he's not throwing fists. Yeah. I, I've got just the movie for you. I have not seen this movie yet, but the one podcast I listen to has not stopped raving about it for years. What is it? It's called Lock. Lock. It's Tom Hardy in a car on the phone for the whole movie. What? Yeah. All right. Done. Sold. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll check it out. Done. What's it called? Yeah. Oh, locked. Lock. 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 Okay. Yeah. You, you said that. Lock. With an E at the end for some yes. reason. Okay. Oh, it's his last name. Evan. Yes. Ivan Lock. Neat. Yeah. So it's like phone booth. Um, kind of. Uh, but yeah. Mobile. Okay. <laughs> I, I, well, I think we should all just watch. Let's just do a Tom Hardy month. The hell with it. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> I want to do a Tom Hardy month so bad. Um I mean we could. We nothing, could nothing's stopping us. No, I, I think we should. Ryan's got a movie for us to watch. Yeah. Um I have a movie for you to watch. So when you guys think of Joel Edgerton, what do you think? Okay. Who is that? Oh again? my gosh, the like whole what? time I went 
Yeah, the whole time I went, the, I know this guy. I don't know from brother. where. It was the it was Tom Hardy's brother in the movie. Oh, yeah. okay. Any? Do you know him from anything? He Ryan? looks familiar, but I mean, maybe like I could definitely see him playing a IRI member if they ever do a movie about the Northern Ireland in the nineties. Like I could definitely see him being an Irishman. <laughs> and like for some reason that just sticks out to me. Like I saw him and I, and, and uh, literally the yeah. first thought that came to my mind was like I could see him in Boondock Saints. It's like I could see. <laughs> yeah. So he's the uh, elf thing in Bright. He's Will Smith's partner. Oh. So he's under all that makeup. Oh, that's seen him. That. Yes. Oh. Uh, and I'm going to show you what you know him from. Nine ninety nine. No. Um, wait, wait, whoa, 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 no, no. Yeah, that's insane. Okay, okay. so for everyone at home, and me. Devin and I are sharing a screen <laughs> so he can see everything that I see. Um, in 2002, Joel Edgerton pl- played the role of Owen Lars in Attack of the Clones. I, wow. And then he cameoed again in Oh, wow, that is Owen him. And I'm not even yeah. looking at the picture, and I'm just thinking about his face. That that is a younger him. So, so here's my pitch for the Obi Wan Kenobi series. <laughs> it's just warrior, but with Obi Wan Kenobi and Owen Lars. Like they just MMA fight with, and then Obi Wan pulls out his lightsaber, and I'm here for it. I love everything about that. Cuts off the ref's arm. <laughs> what was his name? Josh. Josh. Yeah. Was that the big yeah, ref? Jo- poor yeah, Josh. Josh. I felt bad for him. Like, seriously, could you imagine Josh having didn't know to, what's like, going on. I mean, like, could you imagine finding out, like, five minutes before, like, the fight that, like, the two fighters are, like, estranged brothers? Like, oh, my God, I, I got to deal with this, really? You're putting this on me on national TV? <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Since we didn't really know Joe Edgerton, I feel like I need to ask the question again for Nick Nolte. Patty? What do you guys know Nick Nolte from? Yeah, the dad. Okay. Again, like, he looked familiar, you know? but I can't place him at the moment. I know he did a he was in a movie, a biopic about a wrestler. And that's always what I associate him with, even though I've never seen it. He's no, hold on. That one. Oh, yeah, he's he's the voice of the Ugna in The Mandalorian. Is he really? Yeah. I have spoken, guy. That's cool. I have spoken. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? So. They must have modeled part of his face for that character because he kind of looks like, yeah. kind of looks like him. Oh, they definitely did. Yeah. So that's a good transition for the real reason we're here to talk about Mandalorian season two trailer. Yeah, <laughs> surprise. <laughs> no, uh, we'll do that later. <laughs> good. Um, but yeah, that's out if you haven't seen that yet. Um, it's so good. Yeah, I really just know him from like 48 hours that he did with uh, Eddie Murphy. I haven't really seen anything else that he was in. Yeah, I'm looking through his IMDb now. I can't think of... I don't think I've seen any of this stuff. I, I just know him as a meme. <laughs> what meme? I, I absolutely... I love what memes have done to our society, to our culture. I really do. Okay, that's Gary Busey. <laughs> it's crazy how similar they look, though. It is. Oh, it's no Nick November. Oh, okay, I know this one. Yeah. Scary Gary. It's mostly, mostly just his mugshot that became a... A meme. That poor guy has put like his IMDb is like eight feet long, and like the most famous part of him on the internet is his mugshot. That makes me sad. 
He did get some award recognition for this movie. He was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. Uh, Screen Actors Guild, he was nominated for Supporting Actor. Yeah, like looking at the, yeah, he got the, a bunch. The, the acting awards are like all him. And then there's like one if you scroll down for Tom Hardy at a film oh. society in, oh, the, in oh. Nevada. He won, though. So, yeah. Good job, Tom. Friend of the show, Tom Hardy. Um, <laughs> all right. And then um, Joel Edgerton's wife is played by Jennifer Morrison. Of house, house fame. Yes. House, house fame, indeed. Yep, that's how I know. Exactly. Yep. And I was surprised this time through how many people outside of the main four I recognized. Uh, Joel Edgerton's uh, trainer is played by Frank Grillo, who was um, not Bones Hall, Crossbones in Winter Soldier and Civil War. Oh, he was. Kevin Dunn is like the dad from everything in the 90s. Yep. I mean, I knew that. <laughs> and then Maximili- Maximiliano Her- Hernandez was um, the agent of Hydra. Oh, so, that's cool. So Marvel's yeah. just snatching these people up. So pretty much the M- the, what I'm saying is UFC is a training ground for Hydra. <laughs> it makes I sense. It. I knew um, it. It makes sense. There's a reason why the tap out logo looks the way it does. <laughs> it's all a conspiracy. Yes. <laughs> okay, so Ryan, what did you like about this movie? Okay, so this gets into my context for me saying that this is my favorite like fighting sports movie. I'm typically not a fan okay. of fighting movies, even boxing movies. Um, simply because to me, they all run on the same, uh, they all run on one of two storylines, either dude is depressed, needs to fix his life, gets into boxing because he used to be a boxer or his dad used to be a boxer or dude is down on his luck and needs money for family. And he used to fight or his dad used to be a boxer. And so he gets into fighting. And so I'm kind of like Devin when it comes to fighting films where it's like, oh, my God, I've seen this story before. You know, (laughs) I've seen Rocky. I'm good. I don't need to watch, you know, any other fighting movie. And I even told Kristen that when you said Warrior and I looked it up and I'm like, oh, my God, it's a fighting movie. So either so either Tom Hardy is going to be needing money or fixing his life. So he needs to fight. (laughs) So I told Kristen this and I watched the movie and I'm like, they're doing both stories. (laughs) In the same film. (laughs) That's fantastic. And and so, like, I was going through it, but then I saw, I was like, wow, the acting's really good. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, he just doesn't need money. They made him a teacher. And then they, you know, threw in for, you know, Tom Hardy's character. They were like, he's a military veteran on the run. It's like, okay, well, that's cool. And then they show, like, all of all of the different pressures. Like, this movie's very real, I feel. Like, I feel like, like, this movie's a fighting... Like, this movie has glimpses of ugly realism in the middle of f- just brutal fight scenes. Real, like, real fighting. Like, I really want to know how they did some of these scenes with having the actors or their body doubles actually fight. Um... But the fact that this movie does both of the main fighting movie-ish uh, 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 storylines 
and they bled both storylines dry to the best of their ability with some of the best f- fighting I've ever seen in a film. This, to me, is the one fighting film I will go back to to watch if I ever want to watch a fighting movie, because it has everything. It has every storyline you could ever do for a fighting film all rolled into one. (laughs) So, to a point, I'm kind of joking about it, but at the same time, they did this really, really, really well. I think they did a really good job with the fight scenes. I think think a lot of it was was real because according to IMDb, Joel Edgerton tore his MCL in a cage during production, halting fight scenes for six weeks. Wow. Tom Hardy suffered a broken toe, broken ribs and a broken finger. So oh my gosh, I think some of it was real. It had to have been. If, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised, but I mean, because I mean, I've watched I'm, MMA fights in the past. I'm not, I am not a UFC person. I am not somebody who, buys or even watches the free fights because to me when it comes to sports i like competition and skilled competition i get that fighting is like the oldest sport in human history simply because it's you know the first one to knock the other one to the ground wins and you don't need a stick you don't need a ball you don't need a puck you don't need anything to do that except for what you're born with and so i get it it's the oldest sport ever I personally don't enjoy watching people beat the snot out of each other for 15 minutes. I would rather watch them do something skillfully. And if somebody gets hurt in the middle of that, hey, somebody gets hurt in the middle of that. But it's not the main purpose of it. I mean, I think there's a certain type of skills that go into fighting like this. Not skills that I have. Um so you put me up against Tom Hardy. I'm just going to I'm going to run. Crumble, I'm going to run away just like me. There are skills involved. What I mean is that like team sports like hockey, football, basketball, baseball, yeah. cricket, even like y- those sports have a level of danger. But the main point isn't to knock out your opponent or to get them on the ground per se. The main point is to either get the ball or it's to stop them. The getting hurt is just something that happens. It's not something you're trying to do. That's my thing. Unless it's hockey. Right. (laughs) Sometimes in hockey. Unless it's hockey, but Um, that's been died down significantly. So I think you touched on something very vital to this film. It does play with the tropes of the fighting movie. Yeah. Because you have those two storylines going side by side, but are also connected. Yes. And it, it feels real. Like, I think the acting on, on this film from the three main characters really grounds the movie. And like on paper, it sounds ridiculous, mm-hmm. but their performances bring such nuance and realism to it that like that scene on the beach between the two brothers is just amazing. I mean, the first time I ever saw this movie, when it was announced that uh, Joel Egerton's character was going to fight Koba, I got nervous for Joel Egerton's <laughs> character. Like I like went, no, make Tom Hardy fight Koba, not him. Like I, and, and like, I don't do that in movies. Like when Rocky had to go fight, what is his name? Ivan Drago. Like, I didn't get scared for Rocky because it's a Rocky movie. Like, I I don't know. I, this movie did a good job of making me really care for the characters and feel for them in a way that I don't think I have ever in a fighting movie. Yeah. 
something I realized on my this this viewing was the film almost tries to make you pick a side, but you can't. I couldn't. I tried. I feel like the first time I watched this, I picked Tom Hardy's side because I was watching it for Tom Hardy. Yeah. But this time I was like, oh, I get it now. They both should win. Yeah. And I forgot. I forgot exactly who won. I remember them leaving the the ring together, but mm-hmm. I couldn't remember who won. So it was like watching it. I was kind of on the edge of my seat. Like, okay, who who pins who? Like, right. how does how does this end? I'm gonna say they both won. I'm gonna be that guy. Well, yeah. I mean, I was waiting. For, I was Tommy tapped out. I was waiting for him to. Wi- <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I was waiting for him to just whisper like, "I'll split the money with you. Just just tap out." Yeah. But I like it so much better that what gets him to tap out is him saying, I love you uh-huh. because he's never heard that. Like, before. Oh. I mean, he probably heard it from his mom, yeah. but he didn't hear it from his brother or his dad. And that's where that that's, comes I mean, from. Cause you can tell, and you can tell he did all of this just because he's punishing himself. Like he knows this will get him like center stage in a big arena. It knows it'll out his secret. He knows that like, you know, he's going to get exactly what he deserves because he knows he deserves it. And that's why he was doing all of this. And that's why he kept going with like a popped shoulder. Like he just wanted to punish himself. And that I love you is that redemption he needed, which I've never seen in a fighting movie. Dang it. Which is which is to me where they bled the stories as much as they could. Because because I mean, like, I'll be honest, if this was just about Tom Hardy trying to, you know, trying to fix his life somehow. I would be on here talking about how how many other fighting movies this is like, and this is not original, but it is original because of how they did it, because they did both. And because of this ending, they took they they basically took a trope and made it original. What you're saying is if this had like the the same tropey kind of ending, it'd be very painful for you is that supposed to be like a like a tap out thing or <laughs> no that that's a that's a that's a bane quote okay <laughs> i was gonna say that's coming from somewhere and i'm just lost on it it'd be very painful <laughs> for you all right so the tropiest of the tropey things i can think that this movie does is the the training montage and oh boy does it do a training montage Okay. It is, How did you guys feel about it? It is. It, there is no way to do a boxing or fighting movie without doing a training montage. Because, to be perfectly honest, it would make the movie four hours long instead of two and a half hours long. Right. Because you would have to incorporate scenes of people talking in between, you know, the, the training, and you had two people training, not just one. And to be honest. What's a fighting movie without a montage? This one was just set to Beethoven. <laughs> so the training montage is one of the musical moments that stuck out to me. In it's this film. so good. Uh, the listen to the Beethoven is I just remember watching this movie and immediately going to iTunes on my iPod and buying that song. Yes. Uh, and it's been on every workout playlist I've made since this movie. And so oh, it's I mean, it's great. And it. Not only is it just a good song and a unique take on a training montage song, but it also fits the plot well. It fits the I character. I mean, one of them was literally listening to Beethoven. Right. He was literally listening to Beethoven while he was training. And the other one was probably listening to, like, rap or something. I don't know what Tom Hardy would have listened yeah. to. So it's – it's and it's a sample that you don't have to pay rights for. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Like, I don't think Beethoven's going to be wanting a, a cut of the... <laughs> the score. warrior money. The thing is, um, what I liked about the Tom Hardy thing about the music aspect was the fact that he didn't have walkout music. And when he comes up to the ring to fight Mad Dog uh, during, like, his first fight... He isn't listening to anything. He doesn't have headphones in. He doesn't have earbuds in. I mean, granted, no. this is also 2011, so he would have probably like, you know, normal earbuds in. Um, but he's not listening to music. Oh, boy. And it's because he's, I mean, he's like Devin, like you said, he's punishing himself. I mean, he's probably thinking of everything that happened over in Iraq, everything that happened with his dad. You know, he just, it's rage. It's pure rage in his head 24 7. And it comes across in the uh, in the fights because he just walks right out on the opponents. He doesn't stay. He just leaves the ring. He breaks all of the rules. Oh, uh, what a tropes. bad boy, Tommy. It's whatever um, rules. How could it be rules if he wasn't <laughs> being punished for it? They weren't making him stay. So the other trope that this <clears throat> plays with is the alcoholic father and making amends. What did you guys think of Nick Nolte's performance in this? It is the best recovering alcoholic I have ever seen on film. He was great. I loved it. I don't think I loved the um, the Moby Dick thing. I think that was a little too obvious. Um, but I get it. Like, I get it. I just, for some reason, I don't see that character. Because in my mind, like, he's just like a normal, like, he's just a, he's a Ginzer. Like, he is a Pittsburgher. Like, I don't see that character obsessing over uh, classic literature for some reason. I get it. I get the symbolism in it. I like it. But, like, it just didn't feel like a real person when he did that, which was so weird because everything else he did felt so raw and so real. And I think that's my problem. I with think it. here's my thing with it. Recovering alcoholics, one of the problems that they have is that they have – um, that their personalities and their brain chemistry makes them susceptible to addiction in any facet. Sure. So if he's not addicted to alcohol, he needs to train his brain to be addicted to either something else or to work through his addiction so he can fight that off. Some recovering alcoholics addict them themselves to other things, work, a, um, a hobby, a passion, reading, or, or, you know, finding symbolism and stuff. And for him, it yeah. was, I mean, Moby Dick is considered classic, like uh, a classic, but it's not like a huge academic classic. Like it's a classic that mm. the every guy can read and, and enjoy. And somebody of his age with everything that he went through, I mean, to me, that was probably the most real scene in the movie. Of Tom Hardy waking up okay. after having that conversation with his dad and then having his dad go off yelling at Ahab to turn the ship around um, and Hardy has to calm him down. Like to me, that was the most real scene in the film. And it's the first time you really see Tom Hardy's character give any emotion towards his father. Yep. Yeah, because up until that point, he's like, I don't want to tell you anything. I don't want to hear anything. Like, mm -hmm. I'm, I just want you to help me train. And then that moment where he's like, okay, he really is trying. And I pushed him over the edge. Yeah. So the, the guilt brings him back to being his son, mm -hmm. like back to that level. Mm -hmm. And that's, I remember that scene. Like I haven't watched this movie in almost 10 years. 
But I, that scene stuck with me for Nick Nolte's performance and just the way Tom Hardy reacted to all of that. It's a pretty basic scene, but it it's powerful. I don't know. For some reason, I just I just can't get over the whole like, I don't think a real person would be shouting about a thing. But I think Ryan's right. I think I mean, I've, I've obviously never seen a recovering alcoholic like I've never interacted with one. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I think it's it must be what Ryan was saying, where like that's what he became addicted to. Like yeah. that was his comfort. Yeah. And I also think he because he's listening to the tape mm-hmm. right then. And that's where he is. And in that's the where he's Yeah. So that's a good point. It could also be that that was just the book he was listening to at the moment. I mean, maybe his thing is just nautical books in general. I mean, before, yeah. you know, the uh, maybe he was listening to 10,000 Leagues Under the Sea before he started listening to Moby Dick. Or maybe Moby Dick is the book he listens to in between every other book because he likes it so much. Maybe he was listening to Sphere just before this. <laughs> oh, dude, I, I hope. I'm still reading. I'm still reading the copy that Alan gave to me. I tried to read it in the hospital, but I was so loopy. I couldn't focus on the words. I tried. <laughs> the one scene that I couldn't buy with Nick Nolte, uh-huh. just because I live in Pennsylvania, was the fact that he just drove from Pittsburgh to Philly oh. and standing on Joel Edgerton's front yard waiting for him. Yeah, that doesn't mm-hmm. happen. Like that. Yeah, that was cringy. That's, yeah, that was. I mean, that's a six hour drive. Um, if not seven yeah. or eight. I mean, you've got to be speeding I, on 76. At the same time, it it is a desperate move to try to reconnect with your son. Yeah. Um, and he's at a thousand days. So he's like, he's building this up as a big point in his life. But Joel Edgerton even says, it's great for you, but that means nothing to me. That has right. nothing to do with anything that I've done. Mm-hmm. Um, I so, thought that was realistic, though. Their handling yeah. of their alcoholic father. Like, yeah. seems very real. Oh, it is. <laughs> yeah. And then you have Jennifer Morrison playing the wife who doesn't want her husband to go fight. That was a little tropey. So there, there were some things that this movie did that definitely kind of, like, turned me away from it at times. Sometimes the movie would get really into, like, really bro-y, like, hyper-masculine, like, kind of things. And, like, I don't love that in a movie. That's like one of the that's a really fast way to get me to not like your sports movie. But it kept grounding all of those with like the realistic alcoholic dad depiction, like their real feelings. Like, I mean, Tom Hardy, like sobbing at the end, like and, you know, like two grown men saying I love you to each other. Like it's those kinds of things that I think I really appreciated about the movie and elevated it above some just kind of like the aesthetic of the movie, which was kind of like hyper-masculine bro. Like, I mean, even look at the poster. The poster's, I mean, two shirtless dudes in black and white. And, like, I think the tagline for it's, like, for country, for America. I mean, not really, but, like, it's it's something, like, overly, like, hyper-masculine that, like, family... No, is it really families worth fighting for? Yeah. I thought it was something else. That's what it is on this poster. Go to the IMDb page. Quick. Okay. I want to see if I'm if I'm right. I have a I have a rebuttal, but I'll wait till we look at the tagline. Oh, I I, I want a rebuttal because no, go ahead while I pull it. Yeah. Up. So it's a fighting movie. You're going there. It is. You're going to get the super masculine broy feel to it because it's a fighting movie. Uh-huh. I mean, it, it was all over in Rocky. Like it, 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 it was all over the place in Rocky. 
Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. I mean, that's just what you get. And that's what a fight poster looks like. And this movie, yeah, I mean, this true. movie deserves a fight poster, movie poster style. Like, that's what this movie deserves. Like, there is no way that this movie would have had a movie poster that did not look like a Friday, 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 fight, fight, fight. Like, you know, <laughs> like, there's no way that it's not going to have that look to it. And to be fair, like the poster with the family is worth fighting for is kind of that poster. But the one Devin was talking about with the uh, fight for country, fight for family is like the split face down the middle, two face kind of poster. Well, I have them versus there's also advertising towards your base. I mean, it's the same thing. Like, no, you're not going to advertise this poster. I definitely think that those taglines are. Straight out of the marketing department for the it studio. It has to be. Yeah. Well, I also don't think Tom Hardy's fighting for country. Like he's not. Yeah. Like I, I hate that tagline for his character. It's just an advertising ploy to get people into the. Theaters, I mean, that's that's so. accurate, and I'm sure I'm sure the trailer like played up his army time. Like if we're, I yeah, don't know. it does. Oh, I, does it? I, I pulled it before before the show, and yeah. it does play it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like they talk about him his time in the war and what he does. Yeah. And he just kind of brushes it off like he does in the movie. Well, and here's the thing is while I saw the tagline while I was watching the movie, cause I was like researching a little bit and I was, I was trying to challenge myself to come up with a better tagline. And I, I can't, I mean, one, one of mine was like, you know, Tom Hardy, a man like running from his past, fighting a man fighting for his future. And like, all of those are terrible and tropey and like <laughs> I shouldn't be writing taglines for movies ever. It's yeah. because it's a fighting movie and there's only so much you can do with a fighting movie. <laughs> you know, okay, so I'm going to be honest here. I think my only other experience with fighting movies is the Rocky movies. And I think the reason the hypermasculinity in those movies doesn't completely turn me off is because Rocky is basically a cartoon character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's my... Like, that's my point of comparison in fighting movies. So, like, this is a masterpiece. Like, this is a work of art compared to, like, Rocky V. <laughs> that's the one where he has the deli, right? I think it's the one where he has the deli, <laughs> yeah. And the robot's there. The the Rye of the Kaiser? Yeah. I loved that Weird Al cut, by yeah. the way. That it's was been a good. while a, since we made a Weird Al cut. It was a deep cut. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how else to... Like, I'm glad I didn't see advertising for this movie because I feel like it would have turned me away from it. I agree. Completely. But just knowing that Tom Hardy's in this and it's a good performance from Nick Nolte, that, that's what drew me in. Yeah. And this is why it's been on my like songs from this movie have been on my playlist since then. Um, so the second musical moment I want to talk about is the very end. Oh, yeah. With the national and about today over the, the fight scene. Um, do you guys know the national? No, not at all. Okay. Do you, Ryan? Ryan, how about you? I'm still trying to figure out what, what point in the movie you're talking about. The, the final scene. Okay. Like the final fight. Okay. Uh, where that the song comes on with the guitar. Um, Devin, I know you know the national, but you just probably don't know it. So do you remember a show called Game of Thrones? You probably <laughs> repress it from your memory. God, it hurts, but yeah, I remember that. So there, there was an episode called the Reigns of Castlemere. Do they do that? After the Red Wedding, uh-huh. Reigns of Castlemere is playing. Yeah. And you have that deep voice. So who? That was yeah. the national. 
Oh, no way. So that was the lead singer from The National doing The Reigns of Castlemere. Neat. Which I did not put together until my rewatch of Game of Thrones last year. Um, <laughs> that was worth it. Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, so I don't really know that band, but I see them pop up in things from here, from now and then. But this song, like, I was listening to it before the podcast because it just hits me in the in the soul. Uh, I don't know what it is about that that moment where they just embrace each other after the fight and like the the family unity, like the family unit trying to come back together. Yeah. But with that song playing, did you so did you read the the trivia fact that was on the screen? So Alan and I are sharing a monitor. Did you read the trivia fact that was on the screen for the last 20 minutes of the recording? That it was uh, they wrote that scene with that song for that song. Yeah. Yeah. Like that song was there first and then they wrote the scene around it. And yeah. the writers had that playing on loop while they were writing the scene, which like, I mean, it, they nailed it. That would like, drive me nuts. I love. <laughs> oh, really? That would have driven me nuts. I have this thing where I love dissonant, almost dissonant, like song and action sequences. Like I love like, I mean, the song isn't like, yeah, you're a man, punch him in the face. Kind of like the ending of the movie could have been. And I love that. Or, like, I think that's why I have a particular affinity for Knight's Tale. Like, I just, I like it when they don't line up exactly, but for a good reason. And this, oh, it got me. Yeah. <sighs> um, <laughs> what would you think of this movie if it just ended freeze frame mid-fight between the two? I would have been pissed off. Is that what you asked Devin? Is, yeah. And then Devin said, ask, ask Ryan first. Yeah, because yeah. I'm trying. Okay. I'm trying really I hard missed, not to be pissed off about I that. I missed like the 20 seconds That's before fine. that just, of just what he forget, was saying. Forget about okay. it because I got to cut all this out. Okay, just, for, <laughs> just move on. Like, okay, okay. Yeah i I would be mad about it, and I want really badly not to be mad about it because they both won, and I feel like a freeze frame at the end is a very easy signal of. Look at these two both winning, but I think it would betray the realism part of the movie. I think yeah. that's where I would hate it. I completely agree. Yeah, because you not only do you get their reactions to everything, and you get that moment of the "I love you," mm-hmm. but you get to see the look on her face when he wins the fight. You get to see the dad be proud of both of them, even though he doesn't say anything. He's just standing there, um, probably still hungover. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, but yeah, yeah. No, them ending it the way that they did was great because if they would have done like a freeze frame thing, that would have been awful. Um, it's just writing a scene with having the same song playing over and over and over again in the background would have gotten really old really fast for me. Oh, I'm sure. And, oh, yeah. uh, and that's what I meant by like, I would have hated that <laughs> okay. because just having the same song repetitive so here's some- drove me nuts. So here's something I thought the movie was going to do that I'm so glad the movie didn't do with its ending is I thought they would like cut ahead a little bit in the future. You would see like Tom Hardy's character leaving military jail because he's going to jail. He has to. You'd see him leaving military jail and you'd see like, you know, the his brother picking him up in like a sports car or something and those two driving off into the sunset and i feel like that would have been too much like at that point i don't need that but like i was waiting for it and i was so happy when the credits rolled yeah i'm glad they didn't do that either 
I'm surprised they didn't just take him into custody right then and there. Yeah, I don't know how that works. Like, does he have to, like, go turn himself in and, like... I'm wondering if, like, the commanding officer had money on the fight. (laughs) I wonder. I mean, Um, if you think about it, something like that is, like, free publicity for the military. For something like that. And then it turns out, you know, at, like, the last possible second, at, like, the last minute before this fight began, that, you know, that's what the actual true story was. I could see the military waiting. I mean, they, uh, was it, they told, uh, there was a guy who was at West Point and he was a great football player and he played for the West Point, uh, football team army, uh, the college team army. Mm-hmm. And he was drafted by the lions and the military said, yeah, no, you can go play for the lions because you're going to be a recruiter. And, and, you know, as you're working for the lions, you're going to do recruitment stuff for the military and get kids to join the army. And that's what he was told. So he reported to lions training camp. And then finally somebody above whoever told him that said, uh, yeah, no, that's not how this works. You have to serve your four years. And the military told him that he had to report to whatever unit he was going to go to. And he and he had to leave camp because when you go to a because when you go to a military college, you're as soon as you graduate, you do your four years at least. And so and so I wouldn't be surprised if the military was like, yeah, this kid's a deserter, but he also saved a bunch of lives. So we're going to let him have this fight and then we're going to arrest him because it's, you know, it's on national TV. Right. It's kind of kind of a recruitment tool, but also like the way that the military reacted to the, the military members in the crowd reacted to him during the fight. I almost got the sense that like they were like, eh, we get it because like I I don't know. I feel like I would be more mad or they like had a right to be mad at him and to switch sides. But they like they sang for him when he walked out and he saluted them or not saluted, but like nodded to them. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like they were totally cool with it. I feel like he gets off easy, if anything. Because, I think so. Because of the whole friendly fire being what killed his friend. Uh-huh. And like him saving the the lives of those other soldiers while he was leaving, I think he does get off easy. Mm-hmm. Like it's probably just a slap on the wrist, uh, to which he punches them repeatedly. And but I <laughs> think he had to get off easy, and I think those circumstances had to happen because otherwise he's a bad guy. Yeah. And then the movie has a villain that's not the Russian well, guy. I feel like even if he didn't save the the guys in the tank, I I feel like that was icing on the cake. For anybody who doesn't really see the whole mental health a- aspect of his situation, because to me personally, right. being the only surviving member of his unit after being completely killed in a friendly fire incident with him wanting to go AWOL, that's like mental health 911. And that's exactly yeah. what oh, the yeah. military is trying to deal with at the moment and trying to help and trying to fix unsuccessfully. But they're working on it and I'll give them props for that. So I feel yeah. like the whole saving men from the tank thing is for the people because I'll say it. I don't care. The majority of people who I know who really love MMA and really love US USC are also very strong self-proclaimed patriots and in that same group i would not be surprised if just 
surviving a friendly fire incident wouldn't be enough to be like, oh, okay, he went AWOL, but I understand. You know what I mean? I feel like the mm-hmm. whole saving the friend, you know, other, other service members from the tank was just kind of like a, well, if you don't buy the whole mental health thing, here's him saving people from a flipped over tank. Yeah. I see that. I mean, and they kind of did that with the other character as well. I mean, I know that we've been talking a lot about Tom Hardy's character, but the other character kind of had that where like you saw that he was going to get evicted from his home and like you heard, I don't know his name, but he's so good at playing that like smarty suited jerk. Um, the guy, whoever was was at the bank, I can't remember. Oh no, no. Whoever was at the bank. No, Noah Emmerich. Yes. Noah Emmerich. Yeah. He's, He's pitch perfect, but like they had a long discussion with with Noah Emmerich about oh he's in the Truman Show that's where I know him yeah. he's the brother. Um, they had that, that discussion about how like we're sorry we can't do anything that you you know you're you're gone upside down on this which like is enough oh no he's going to be evicted from his house that was enough for Happy Gilmore to do what he needed to do, but they had to also get him fired from his job. Like they they kept like adding things onto these characters that like okay you don't relate to the bank screwing you over. Everyone's lost a job before. You're going to relate to this part. And that's what I'm, uh, you know, and every time I can go back to this, I'm going to. This is where they bled these storylines dry. They took. Yeah. What they did was that they took these two tropes that are in almost every fighting movie and they were like, "Okay, let's see. Let's see how much blood and turmoil and stress we can bleed out of these storylines and make it believable. And that's exactly what yeah. they did because he he was stressed about going. Uh, he was he was stressed about losing the house. So instead of getting the third, you know, uh, the, the bouncer gig, he decided to fight to get more money because he was stressed out and felt like he was in a corner because and because of where he was at. He was a school teacher. He loses his job because somebody saw him because that makes sense. It really does. I'm not being sarcastic yeah. or cynical. That does make yeah, sense. No it, no, it really would happen. And though. Yeah. So then it turns out that like they can't really fire him because there's no president for it. But but in three months, they're going to be out of the house and the semester is what, four or five months. So he needs to do mm-hmm. something. Yeah. Um from the sports fan perspective, though, there's something that I really like that they did in this movie for people who can spot yeah. this stuff out. Their fighting styles are different. And I love the fact that they showed that they were. So Tom Hardy's character, Tommy, um, mm-hmm. he's a straight fighter. Like he's Mike Tyson. Like he comes in swinging. Yeah. He doesn't block. He doesn't play around with his feet. He just start. He 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 jumps right into the fight and starts swinging. Um, and then his brother is more of a, is more of a skilled stylistic fighter where he's more of let the other guy punch me a little bit, get him tired. And then I'm going to go in, but he's not going to go in just swinging his fists. He's going to use his feet. He's going to use grappling. He's going to get them on. He's going to get them onto the ground. They have two very different fighting styles. And I'm very happy that they did that because, because it made the end fight very fun to watch. Yeah. And I think that also comes from the different trainers that they have, too. Mm-hmm. So um, the other thing I want to talk about quick before we wrap this up about Joe Edgerton's character is I really like the fact that all of his students were, like, super supportive and, like, rallying behind him to the point where they're watching this at a drive-ins. Yeah. 
Yeah, which is very um, Eastern Pennsylvania. I'll tell you that right now. And it's also very Central Pennsylvania. Yeah. But I can tell you that in Eastern Pennsylvania, around the Philly area, in the more rural areas outside the city, that would they there's definitely enough drive-ins to definitely do that. Uh, Devin, you, you used to live in Pittsburgh. I did. Did you ever go to the North Hills uh, or, sorry, the Twin Highway drive-in? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, a lot of these shots. So I forgot the movie was in Pittsburgh before when on the rewatch. So there was a couple of shots. I'm like, is this is this Pittsburgh? This is. And then like Nick Nolte drives past the UPMC building. Like, ah, I did it. And like hmm. I miss films being shot in Pittsburgh and I miss Pennsylvania giving them that like tax credit because like I just think it's I think it's fun to see Pittsburgh pop up in things. Yeah. It's like a. It, Perfect gritty city. And it's also you also like being in Pennsylvania, you get the the duality of cities. Exactly. In, in that fight too. So you have the Philly Philly boy and then the Pittsburgh boy like fighting and like And they both kind just, of fulfill the, the the stereotypes of the city. Like yeah. I mean the brotherly love comes from the Philadelphia brother. The more gritty, kind of down on his luck, like chunky guy, not chunky, but like crunchy guy is the Pittsburgh guy. Like yeah. that makes sense. He is so crunchy. The ground crunched when he walked his sway that he, he is had, so crunchy. I mean, like, yeah, you, Tom Hardy could, could not put off a more stereotypical, like grouchy fighter. <laughs> oh, he nailed it. I, I really want to go through and look and see how many movies Tom Hardy has filmed in Pittsburgh. I wonder. Um, but in a little twist of fate, today is actually Tom Hardy's birthday. Is it really? It is Tom Hardy's birthday, born September 15th, 1977. Well, happy birthday, Tom. Yeah, friend of the show, Tom Hardy, happy birthday. Friend of the show, Tom Hardy, he's <laughs> definitely listening. I think Bane's here to sing happy birthday to him. <laughs> happy birthday to you. <laughs> happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Tom Hardy. Happy birthday to you. That's good. That was, that was really good. I have a lovely, lovely voice. <laughs> I feel like I see, see, I hear you. I hear your bane and I hear more of Alec Trebek from SNL. Then uh, <laughs> you mean, you mean, uh, Sean, Sean Connery. Connery. That's not what yes. your mother said last night. Yes. <laughs> I hear Sean Connery whenever well, you do that's Bane. That's because Bane is a little bit Sean Connery. He does. <laughs> yeah. But no, the Bane, the Bane voice sounds better when I do it into a cup. <laughs> what was the like, did he ever say what the inspiration for that voice was? Because, I mean, it's iconic, but it's also not like, if you told me you're going to play Bane, I'm going to go, oh, Bane. Not yeah. that. Or like a sp- like a Mexican accent because he's. Right. See, to he's like a luchador uh, mask in some versions. I think the. I always, Go ahead. I always took his voice to 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 be as raspy as and like hollowy as it was because he was breathe because he was talking through a respirator. So that's that's yeah, kind of um, why I always took his voice to be the way it was was because it was his 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 voice was constantly hoarse, so he had to struggle to talk. Mm-hmm. Plus, he's speaking through a respirator, so it's going to sound a little hollowy. That's how I always stuck it. Uh, I think the inspiration for his voice being like that was Chris Nolan doesn't like people to understand dialogue. <laughs> so there's, there's always that too. <laughs> so he's like, give me like a bad Sean Connery impression. Okay. I can do that. <laughs> but I don't want to understand it for ever. You. Yeah. 
I think that's about that about does it for Warrior. I highly recommend it. Devin, do you recommend Warrior to anyone who hasn't seen it? I mean, I was I was trying to sell uh, my I was trying to sell Romana on Warriors today or Warrior today. And she had like she is the last person I think would ever watch a fight movie. And I was trying hard to sell her on it. I think even if you don't like fight movies, it's a good enough human story like behind the fighting that it's totally worth it. Okay. Ryan, how about you? I was trying to sell Kristen on watching it myself. And again, she hates fighting (laughs) movies and I was doing a horrible job because Devin, just like you said, like when you read what this movie is on paper, it sounds absolutely nuts and stupid, but then when you watch Mm -hmm. it, it it works. Um, But I I, I found it on Hulu with a normal subscription. So it's, so uh, it's also on Hulu. Um, I highly recommend it for people who like fighting, um, who actually do fighting. There's enough in there to enjoy the skill aspect of it. And for people who don't like fighting, um, this is definitely a good human story movie. Like it, it, it's a drama. It just it happens to be like people getting their face punched in. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Because, I mean, it's hard for me to watch some of that stuff. Like, I was cringing at some of the fighting because I do not like the arm lock stuff because I've broken my arm before. And watching them do the arm pinning just makes my arm tingle. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I think that does it for Warrior. Yeah. It's been a while. So who's next in the rotation? Is it me? Yes, I believe it is. So next week we're watching Stripes. Stripes? Awesome. The uh, Bill Murray movie. Thank you. Bill All Murray, right. John Candy? John Candy. I cannot wait yeah. to watch Stripes. I love Stripes. I'm so excited. I've never seen it. Good. So. Good. That's why we do the show. I think that about does it. Um, if you haven't yet, go ahead and follow us on Instagram at You Have to Watch This Podcast. We're also on Facebook. You can leave a comment and subscribe to the, this podcast on wherever you listen to podcasts. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Podbean and more coming soon. I just have to go through and set up the accounts. It's coming soon to Amazon Alexa's and Prime. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Um, so stay tuned for that. And until next time, where we watch Stripes. Uh, for you have to watch this podcast. I'm Alan. I'm Devin. And I'm Ryan. And listen to the Beethoven. Are you gonna play the Beethoven? Hell yeah. Oh, good. Okay.